Hello, everybody, for another edition of We Ate All the Pies. My name is Adam on what is supposed to be a quite stormy night here in Oklahoma, but the the storms have the the the, the dangers aren't here yet, and so we're going to keep on uh, going with the show. And uh, but if I do have to get into my hidey hole, I will let you all know. Uh, like I said, my name is Adam, and it's it's our final show during an international break of the season. Uh, which is good. We got some Premier League football on the way back. I think we've all kind of had a long week or so. Uh, we've all we've all uh, had our points of of exhaustion for various reasons. Um, I right now am enjoying a nice cold beer, uh, even though I try not to drink on Tuesday nights. But it's just been that that kind of day, and it feels good. And it feels good, I think, because Premier League football is back. It's right around the corner. I cannot go this long. Without it, and I know some other people who are also excited that it is returning from the great state of Georgia. It is Caleb. Good evening, Caleb. Howdy, howdy. And from the great state of Texas, and I'm not saying that just because that is where I originally hailed from, although it certainly helps. It's my cousin Jordan, who, as you will hear, is uh, is on the road, and so we will. We're enjoying the sweet sounds of the road with you, Jordan, but uh, how are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm all right, Adam. Uh, And you are right. I just can't go this long without the Premier League on the weekends because it screws up my morning schedule. Um, I'm an Mm. early riser for work during the week, and... I pretty much hold that ha- hold that habit through the weekend. So I usually get up around like six fifteen, uh, you know, right before the first kickoff, and I just kind of, you know, yeah. Well, I just kind of sit there in the darkness <laughs> on my phone with my dog, not trying to wake up my wife, who won't be awake for another four hours or so. Um, yeah, it's perilous times. I definitely felt that it's uh, it's weird where my mind goes when when there is no Premier League because it wasn't just there wasn't Premier League or any European leagues on this weekend. I mean, all of the World Cup football was preserved for the week. I don't think there were any. There were qualifiers on Sunday. That, that's a correction. There were Concacaf qualifiers on Sunday, which we'll talk about in a minute. But other than that, so so Saturday was pretty bare, and so I did some yard work, and my body is still punish me, punishing me for that. Um. I just had to get those branches out, man. There's too many branches, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a weird it's a weird feeling, and so I'm glad it's back. I'm happy it's back. Uh, we're gonna start this week though with uh, some uh, a bit of a topical reference. You know, sometimes the uh, the entertainment gods they just sort of smile upon you and hand you an easy topic uh, with which to have fun with, and so of course. If you are are not aware, and I did not watch the Oscars. I don't think I've watched the Oscars in several, several years, like a single even a bit of it. And that's just, I mean, it's it's not that I have anything against movies. I just don't really care. Uh, but even I know what happened. Of course, we all know. And if you're living, living under a rock, um, I don't know, go on the social media and find out real quick. But in the spirit of the slap heard around the world, we are going to play a little bit of a game. So I've got two questions for each of you, and I'll answer two. Uh, the first question, I want you to tell me 
the individual from English football who you would most like to slap live on stage in front of a worldwide audience. Just, absolutely, just, I mean, just lay it on there in front of everybody for the whole world to see. And then the second bit, I want you to tell me the person from English football who you want to receive your award from, who you would most like to have present you your award. Tell me who that person is, and then tell me what you're getting the award for. So we'll start with Caleb, and we'll start it out first. Caleb, tell me the person who you would most like to slap in front of a worldwide audience. Um, I, I've picked two Texans for these awards. Okay. Um, related to English football. <laughs> okay. So, um, the, uh, the individual who I would most like to pull Will Smith on is, um, Tom Hicks for multiple <laughs> reasons. Um, not because I, I particularly find Liverpool underperforming something to be slap worthy, but yeah. I have a feeling that Hicks's ownership of Liverpool is one of the reasons why English football fans are so against American owners of Premier League teams. So didn't help. <laughs> I would slap him. I, I, I would like to slap him for a um, giving us a bad reputation over the pond. And then there's also some residual. Some of that slap would be for um, running the Texas Rangers and Dallas Stars into the ground. So uh, that, it would, it's really a three for um, <laughs> with that one. That's a good one. That's that's a good man. That's bringing it back. I, t- I forgot about the Hicks Gillette era. And yeah, you're right. I mean, it wasn't you know if if you weren't a Liverpool fan, it actually was quite fun. But yes, he definitely set that club back. Um, several years through his ownership. All right, second half. Which Texan would you like to present your uh, award from and tell me what that award is for? And since it's another Texan, I think I know who this is, but please do continue. Yeah. So obviously Clint Dempsey is the one who's giving me this award. Deuce. Um, And uh, which makes the most sense. And he's going to give me the um, award for being the best Texas-born Fulham fan in the world. (laughs) Awesome. So, which would be a lovely... I, I know I'm not the greatest Fulham fan in the world, <laughs> but I I think I could definitely be in the running for the best one from Texas. Um, and so who better to bestow upon me this arbitrary internet award than the man who brought me to Craven Cottage in the first place, all the way from Nacogdoches, Texas, Mr. Clint Dempsey. Is it Nacogdoches or Waxahachie? I think it's Waxahachie. Uh, anyway. No, Nacogdoches, I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That is right. I'll go with my first instinct. There we go. By the way, do we like uh, do we like Deuce's uh, blazer when he's covering the U.S. men's national team on CBS? I think it's a bit of a uh, what is it? It's, I think it's like a like a camouflage looking looking thing. It's something that only he could pull off. I think I I, I enjoy. I'd it. say this. I I would never attempt to wear that. <laughs> I think he can wear it. Yes. So. Absolutely. Um. Okay, Jordan. I'm going to go with you next. Uh, so first off, the, the individual from English football who you most want to slap on stage in front of a live worldwide audience, the world wants to know. Please, please, please tell us. So uh, Caleb's answer was great. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit more self-serving than that. Uh, I'm going to uh, choose to slap 
uh, and I honestly would like to commit more violence against this man because he deserves it. Uh, former Wigan forward Callum McManaman. Okay. And this is for one event and one event only. This is the March 20th, 2013 leg breaker he put in on Newcastle's French left back, Masido Haidara, where it basically ended his career. And he didn't get fucking uh, carded at all for it. Fuck that guy. If he's hearing this, fuck you. <laughs> okay. Be great if Cal McManaman actually did listen to us, but yes. Uh, okay, that's niche reference, but I'll take it. That's that's a good one. And I, I imagine that would be quite a good slap. It sounds very, very satisfying. And then secondly, tell me the person uh, from English football who you want to receive your award form. Who's presenting your award, and what is it for? Uh, so my award, the, the award I'm receiving is the hardest working Texan, Jordy. Okay. Uh, I don't want to claim that. I don't, I don't want to claim, you know, the entirety of the world. Right. Or, you know, uh, 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 Newcastle proper, but I will claim my state. And it is being presented by the Newcastle play, uh, Newcastle great Jonas Gutierrez, um, who uh, who many might not remember, uh, had cancer, beat cancer, and then on the last game of the season, uh, which uh, Newcastle needed to win, I believe against West Ham, to stay in the Premier League scored the goal. So it would be Jonas Gutierrez for me presenting that award. Uh, and also, I, I, did you mention this? It's, it's cancer survivor as well, isn't it? Yes, I did. That's my bad. Yeah, no. Yeah, beat cancer. Yeah, fantastic. Came back in his last match with Newcastle, scored the, the winning goal to keep us in the Premier League. Sorry about that. I will. I'll go back and amend that because you did say that, and, and you did it quite well. Fantastic. That's a good one. So I I had a couple um, here that I was trying to go through, but I do think I, I, I'm I've got one that I think everybody would would choose, and it's a bit, some low hanging fruit. You guys gave such great answers that I think I'm going to go with another another niche answer. Also, Jordan, it's going to be one that you're going to appreciate. So many years ago, when I was a lot more into fantasy Premier League than I am, and it's not that I hate. It, it's just I. It's hard to have time now. Um, there was there's one midfielder who I would I would try and, and always get because he was pretty consistent. You know, he, I think he was an England under twenty one player. I think he uh, he he may have had at least one cap for the national team, but he was always consistent, putting some good passes, um, was good for an assist. Um, you know, and wasn't all that expensive. And so his value, you know, his. You got a lot for his value, but he had the biggest flaw, and I remember one season in particular finding out about this, and it just it, it made me suffer the entire season because it just kept happening again and again and again. So, for getting several yellow cards and red cards, and taking away so many points from my fantasy Premier League team over the years, Lee Cattermole of Sunderland, I'm going to slap you in front of everybody. Cost me so, I mean, it cost me so many wins, you know, in the, in, in head to head, kept me down in the table just because he could not keep it together on the pitch. So for being Granite Xhaka before Granite Xhaka was cool, Lee Cattermole, I'm slapping you in the face in front of everybody. Um, and then the person from English football you want to receive your award from, um, 
Oh, this did. Would this not? Would this not be Sir Alex Ferguson like it's two not. years ago? But I mean, like, had, had this happened two years ago, would that not be who it would have been from? Uh, it probably would have been somebody different. But I do oh. have, I do have a good one. Um, so, I the award I think is going to be for the best um, new podcast of two Texans and a Georgian citizen um, about English football. It's a, it's a really niche category, um, but I think it's... I, it's, it's, it's but it's prestigious. It's, it is. It's I very mean, prestigious. It's, it's a long this title. This is the one I really want to win. Exactly. Uh, so that's the award. So it, it's it's to me... Uh, I'll, I'll go up and accept it, but it is to all of us. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I can, I'll, I'll give the acceptance speech. I'll, I'll take that bullet. But the person who's going to present it is someone who I actually think toward the end of his career, deserved a bit more respect. Um, yes, he managed Tottenham. Yes, he, he sort of pulled uh, a switcheroo on, on Portsmouth and, and sort of, um, you know, maybe isn't necessarily a man of his word all the time. But he's a fantastic manager, deserved the English manager job, and did not get it. And But... Since then, we've been able to to enjoy his opinions. I've always appreciated his opinions, um, whether it's in in columns or whether he's uh, he's a pundit on television. Harry Redknapp, I will gladly accept this award from you. Thank you for your transformative years with West Ham United, um, and, and also I'd love uh, uh, I'd love to meet your bulldog, who apparently has many many Swiss bank accounts um, in in uh, in Switzerland and. And uh, keeps you from avoiding from having to pay the tax man. So, this one's to, for you, Harry. Thank you for the award, and I appreciate it dearly. I uh, I think that's beautiful um, yeah. and well deserved. I also think that you individually, Adam, should get an award from um, Ted Lasso, um, <laughs> or maybe Jason Sudeikis in, in character of Ted Lasso uh, for bringing the the sport of English football. Uh, to for being ambassador for this the for being ambassador of English football in uh, in the state of Texas, I think you should get that <laughs> that would be that award because you converted at least one person, and that would that's me. So yes. if if nothing else, you're you're a, you're a good ambassador for the sport. Exactly. If the Premier League's hearing this, I think you owe me some money. No. Um, so anyway, maybe a little tr- maybe a little trophy. Oh, I'd love little, that with a little banner. I'd take that. That would be great. Um. So, anyways, that was just a little bit of fun. We might do that's you know that, that's a that's that's a fun game to play at home uh, when the kids are asleep. Should play slap or not from now on out. That should be the end <laughs> of the. You yes, just, you just give us a person, uh, oh. you know, whoever's in the news for uh, for Eng- in English football that week, just just a person, and then we the three of us vote on uh, slap or not. Slap or not. Yeah. So this. Yeah. So slap or not. We should make this a game. This should, this could be for the rest of the Premier League. We basically pick the person from the weekend who has done something that is controversial or yeah, just like the most new, like the most newsworthy you yeah. know person, and we decide whether that's slap worthy or not. Yeah, although I'm going to put this caveat in there because I think it would be too easy if we didn't. It cannot be a referee. Yeah, yeah. No, it's that's, more that's like it's simple. more like Kurt Zuma this week. Slap or not? <laughs> like, yeah, I'd slap that guy. <laughs> Uh, anyways, so, uh, last week, and we'll do this real quick, we are going to get to some Premier League action, because uh, we're we're coming into these last few weeks now, 
Uh, it's nitty gritty time. The games are going to come hard and fast. It's going to be so, so exciting. This is a fantastic time of year. I know I've said it time and time again, but it's, 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 it's great. And you want to watch as much football as you can because you know in a couple of weeks it's going to end. And you just got a preview of what that time is going to look like from this international break. And you're thinking, oh, no. I have no idea what to do with myself. So we are definitely going to talk about Premier League football uh, and, and really dig into that. But I do want to catch us up real quick because there some World Cup qualifying has continued. There was a lot today. It's Tuesday, by the way, March 29th. There was a lot today. There's a lot happened uh, over the course of last week, Thursday, Friday, uh, some on Sunday. And in our neck of the woods, obviously, the CONCACAF qualifying, uh, North America, Central America, the Caribbean, that was the big one. So Canada, of course, sealed their first tournament appearance since 1986. Well done to Canada. Uh, that was a 4-0 win against Jamaica on Sunday at BMO Field. Um, and it made up for a very rough and long Thursday night for Canada down in Costa Rica. And as a United States fan, I can, I can say I very much sympathize. We have had many, many a long night in Costa Rica. Uh, that one ended in a 1-0 defeat um, and really has helped Costa Rica get into the position that they're in now. Um, the United States will face the Ticos next, but thankfully the stakes are not too high, and that is because the Americans easily dispatched of Panama 5-1 in Orlando on Sunday behind a hat-trick from our very own Christian Pulisic. Um, and the last goal, I think it was the, the last goal of his hat-trick. If you haven't seen it, Go see it. If you have, go see it again. It is a piece of beauty. I don't know if, if we've all have we all seen the the Pulisic wonder goal of It was wonderful. Oh. And it definitely was his third one because yes. his first two were penalties. Okay, that's what I thought. Um yeah, yeah. So the third goal was was really and he was he played really I think that was, he played really well. I think it was a really important game for him going into the World Cup because obviously on the club side he struggled a little bit. I'm um, getting regular pay- playing time with injuries. And then um, I think he missed really a sitter against Mexico and he hasn't been playing particularly well for the U S men's national team. I mean, he was even dropped for one of the matches. Um, so this match, he was the captain came in, we needed a win, scored three goals. And um, you know, I think it was really important for his confidence. And I mean, he was feisty and he was ready yes. to go. And I know we got a yellow card. I know he was a little – it maybe was too far. But honestly, I mean, that was a team that needs – they need to be scrappy, you know. And, and we just – we hadn't had a lot of that. I think Paul Ariola um, brought that. I think he brought that. So it was really nice to see. It was fantastic. A goal, I think, uh, Jordan, for our, our very own Jesus Ferreira as well in that game, uh, FC Dallas's own Jesus Ferreira, uh, who, had, who had a wonderful game. But, no, you're right, Caleb. And it, it, it's it's – it's easy to forget because it's been so long uh, since we've been to this point. You know, when the United States missed out on the World Cup in 2018, they basically had to start over. And so this is the first World Cup qualifying that this group has gone through together. And it it's it's tough. And you're right. You, you have to be feisty. You can't. You know, you've got to come into these games with a little bit of attitude. I always thought Landon Donovan was really good at that. I know um, he didn't win a lot of fans in Central America and Mexico for that, but I mean, he had that feistiness, and I think it would be great if Pulisic could, you know, just continue to adopt that to his game. Because you're right, he was, he was, he was sublime 
um, and just a, uh, looked looked the part of a leader on Sunday night. And and so um, on Wednesday, March the thirtieth, um, the the final games in the Concacaf qualifying look like this. They all start at eight oh five Eastern time. The uh, Costa Rica hosts the United States, Jamaica versus Honduras, Mexico, El Salvador, and Panama against Canada. And though it is mathematically possible for the United States to finish in fourth, it is very unlikely given the goal difference right now between the United States, who are in second, and Costa Rica, who are in fourth. Costa Rica would basically have to put up six goals on the U.S. at least to then have a chance of qualifying automatically. Mexico's in a bit of a more precarious spot because if they uh, if they don't if they can't get the job done against El Salvador um, and, and somehow manage to lose that game, I, I know it's a rare show, it, it it's unlikely. But if they do manage to lose that, Costa Rica are much closer to them on goal difference, and so if things do start to go haywire um, down south and Costa Rica start to rack up the goals, which is entirely possible. Um, you know, Mexico could be in a, in a bit of a a bit of a bind there if they don't get the job done. I still think it's going to be Mex- USA, Mexico, Costa Rica that finish, and so it will be Costa Rica who have the playoff uh, to go through. But we'll certainly have to see about that. Um, going to uh, to Asia just real quick. Um, you know, looking at, at Group A, we mentioned there was a fight for third. In that race, um, so last week is a bit of a shock. We had Lebanon losing to Syria, which kind of came out of nowhere. Even more surprising, Iraq beat the UAE by a goal to nil, which set up a pretty dramatic final day in Group A. Um, the uh, the Iraqis who kind of had they had a bit of a chance that they could make make it into this playoff uh, and keep their World Cup dreams hopes. World Cup dreams alive, excuse me, uh, it ended today. They only drew with uh, Syria 1-1, and then the UAE actually beat South Korea. So the UAE gets third spot in Group E. In Group B, Australia did, in fact, lose to Japan last week. That result alone secured a spot in the World Cup for Japan and Saudi Arabia in the tournament. Australia now left to fight the UAE uh, in that playoff, and that will probably be in June. The winner of that match will then pl- play the fifth place team from South America, and that qualifying is going on as we speak right now. So I'll update as best as I can, but that's still kind of going on. Uh, in Africa, we have our five qualifiers from the African continent. Um, it was a very dramatic day in qualifying. Uh, uh, so. Last week, just to kind of catch us up, um, it finished 1-1 between the Congo and Morocco. Algeria beat Cameroon by a goal to nil. Uh, Mali lost at home to Tunisia, goal to nil. Egypt beat Senegal in Cairo by a goal to nil. And then Ghana and Nigeria finished goalless. So today, Ghana secured their spot at the World Cup with uh, a draw in Nigeria, so that away goal helping Ghana into the World Cup. Uh, Senegal came back 1-0 against Egypt, and they won on penalties again, just like in the African Cup of Nations. So, Mane, Sen- two. Yes. Salah, zero. Zero, yes. Which, which I just wanted to, and this don't want to slow us down too much because you're really doing a great job. The one thing I just, in the back of our mind, uh, do you think that at some point 
uh, maybe this season, let's say that Lacazette and Mane are like streaking toward the goal. Is there a moment where Salah passes it to Lacazette instead of Mane? It's just <laughs> like, is there any kind of residual resentment uh, from from Salah for uh, for back to back, you know, losses to uh, to his teammate there? Um. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, the, I don't know. We'll see the inner workings of the Liverpool dressing room. I definitely think this one hurts because it was such a big deal when Egypt qualified in 2018. And they love Mo Salah, of course. They love him down there. He's he's, he's fantastic. And now he's going to be like 33, 34 by the time he has a chance to, to compete at the World Cup again. So, you know, this was a golden chance missed for Egypt with a prime Mohamed Salah to go to the global tournament. Also to go to one pretty close to home because it's in Qatar. So you all could have pretty easily made it over there. Um, you know, the travel I'm sure is, is a lot easier. So yeah, this one hurts. Uh, I think for Egypt, Senegal, obviously very happy for them. Um, but yeah, it's be interesting. It'd be interesting to see the final weeks and, and how that Liverpool dressing room, uh, <laughs> is affected by this. Um, Speaking of the away goals rule, oh, go ahead, Jordan. I, I hear you. Uh, I real you quick, yeah. Uh, sorry, I have to give a uh, a correction to uh, Caleb. When did Alexandra Lacazette uh, move from Arsenal to Liverpool, my man? You're thinking of Luis Diaz or Diogo Jota? Oh, you know I was. I oh. appreciate that. Thank sorry. you, thank you, Jordan. I, I missed that. I thought you just. Nothing. I thought you meant. I thought you meant he would pass the opposition rather than pass to Mane. So I thought it fit. <laughs> that's that is what I meant. There you go. See? No, no, that's a, that's a good call, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just like, I was like, why would Lacazette and Mane be going to the same goal? I'm, Lacazette I'm, is going to play for Liverpool next season. Did you not know that? You watch. Watch I, this happen now. Yeah. Watch well, this. <laughs> you know, playing for Liverpool. Uh, don't forget, guys. Uh, Mohamed Salah is in a bit of a contract negotiation stint yes. with uh, you know, uh, with um, fin- the Fenway Group, yeah. and uh, it's been reported that you know uh, his uh, agent has kind of been laughed at for the number uh, uh, his client is expecting. So at some point, this is going to come to a head. Maybe, uh, maybe unfortunately for us, we don't get to see the next couple years of prime Mohamed Salah. Highest craft in the Premier League, unless it's in the uh, the sky blue. But God forbid that happen. I think he would go to Spain. I know. I mean, I know Barcelona's interested, but I mean, you know, their hands are kind of tied. Real Madrid obviously would be interested, but yeah, you know, you're right. And you know, it's going to be interesting. He's, he's still got a year left on his Liverpool contract, um, so. You know, there's they're in negotiations now because they don't want that to get down to a year. You know, you'd want to solidify that before uh, before we get into that crucial moment. But you know, take all the reports with a pinch of salt because I definitely think Mo Salah's agent is out there basically trying to make things happen. So you know, he's going to get the ears of some journalists. He's going to try and put some stories in the press that are going to try and force Liverpool's hand and get the most for his client. I think a lot of that stuff's going on right now. But, but you know, Salah's been at Liverpool for a while now. He's won the Premier League. Uh, he's chasing down another one. He's won a Champions League. You know, maybe he maybe it's time 
in his mind to move on. So we'll see. That that but that is definitely going to be an interesting saga, and it could be one of the more interesting ones um, over the summer as those contract uh, negotiations continue. But one thing Mo Salah is definitely not doing is going to Qatar in November. Um, finish this up. Algeria won Cameroon nil. That was after extra time today. That was a really long game. Um, Cameroon go through on away goals. Morocco with a really the only out-and-out big win today. Um, a 4-1 demolition of... The Congo, DR Congo, excuse me, not to be confused with the other Congo. And uh, Tunisia and Mali finished goalless, but Tunisia's 1-0 win uh, last week means they go through. So Ghana, Senegal, Cameroon, Morocco, and Tunisia are your African representatives. And just one more interesting note about this. Um, In the 2018 World Cup, we had Egypt, Morocco, Tunisia, Algeria, and Nigeria. So... Four of the five teams were North African, and now we only get two of the five teams who are North African. So West Africa coming back strong in this round of World Cup qualifying. Uh, in South America, um, we now have Brazil, Argentina, Ecuador, and Uruguay, who are all uh, who've all qualified. That was after uh, the matches last week. It is between, uh, I think, Peru, Colombia, and Chile to fight it out for that fifth spot. Um, Peru have it if they can win. And I know they were winning earlier. I I don't know. I'll have to check that later. But I I know they were winning earlier. So if that result holds, no matter what happens, Peru go through. But if Paraguay somehow do come back uh, and Colombia can beat Venezuela, Chile, I think, need both Colombia and Peru to basically lose. And then Chile needs to beat Uruguay in order to get in. So they're on the outside looking in. Peru looking pretty good at the moment, so we'll update that um, if we get a chance later. And then in Europe, uh, just to run it down again, Germany, Denmark, France, Belgium, Croatia, Spain, Serbia, England, Switzerland, and the Netherlands have all qualified ahead of time. So we went to the playoffs, and boy, were we just absolutely flabbergasted to watch Italy miss out on a World Cup once again. A 1-0 defeat to Macedonia in the playoff at Palermo, um, another disastrous showing by Italy at the crucial point of the qualifiers. Um, man, it just, what a weird time to be alive. I mean, Italy miss out once. Okay, stuff happens. England have missed the Euros, you know. That, you know, it, it happens. But we're talking a multi-time, I can't remember how many, but it's it's definitely multi-time World Cup winning team failing to qualify for the tournament two times in a row. One of the leading leagues in the world, and you can't qualify for the World Cup. It's 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 amazing. Um, and actually, I, I can't recall his name, but I do know this. So the Macedonian, the North Macedonian, excuse me, the North Macedonian player who scored the winning goal in that game actually used to play for Palermo, so he played a lot in that stadium. And there's a video out there, there's several clips of him scoring from that exact position on the field in a very similar fashion. So a bit of muscle memory, I think, taking over that uh, that led North Macedonia into the next round. Unfortunately for North Macedonia, because we were all North Macedonia fans going into this week, uh, the dream was cut short. Uh, Portugal with a 2-0 win over North Macedonia 
So Portugal will be going to the World Cup. Bruno Fernandes scoring both of those goals. And also Poland going to the World Cup. Sweden will be missing out this year. Um, but good news, we will get a chance to see Robert Lewandowski at a World Cup for more than likely the final time. Um, Wales got through their uh, qualifier. Gareth Bale, wonderful, wonderful performance from him. A fantastic free kick. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Um, and I, I got to mention this real quick before we get into the Premier League. Some very, very unfair treatment, I think, of Gareth Bale by the Spanish media, who have basically dismissed his wonderful performance for Wales by saying, oh, you can turn out for your international team, but you've only played X and X amount of times for Real Madrid. I don't know when Gareth Bale turned into the manager of Real Madrid. I don't know when he turned into the guy who's picking the squads every single week. But unless they know something that we don't, just completely unfounded criticism of Gareth Bale. Uh, and I, it, it's it's strange to me, and I think it's it speaks volumes of the stranglehold that Florentino Perez has over the Spanish media, or at least certain arms of the Spanish media, if he can get this story to trend. Because I don't know where else this is coming from other than the Real Madrid hierarchy, who are just so upset at him for some reason. So I don't know if you guys saw that, but I did, and I just thought it was kind of bullshit to see Gareth Bale being talked about like that. It, it's, it's. I mean, look, has the, has he had the best time at Real Madrid? No. He's won several trophies with them, though, and he's shown in this game that he's still a good player worthy of selection. Yeah, it's bullshit. I mean, I, I don't... <clears throat> I think that... I think criticizing Gareth Bale for... for his career at Real Madrid is ridiculous, and particularly what's going on recently. I mean, he's had to deal with a lot um, while he's been over there. He's been there a long time. Um, he's been fairly prolific for him. Um, and I, I would add, too, that as much as I'm obviously rooting for the U.S. Men's national team, I'm actually kind of have a little bit of a sweet spot for this Welsh national team. A, because I'd like to see Gareth Bell play well, but also because um, both Nico Williams and Harry Wilson, who currently play for Fulham, are on the Welsh national team. So I'd love to see some of those players play uh, in the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and actually, I think Harry Wilson had uh, did pretty good in that qualifier as well. And, uh, and finally, from our good friends down in the Oceania block, uh, New Zealand versus Solomon Islands. That is a f the the World Cup qualification final for Oceania. So the winner gets the right to play more than likely Costa Rica um, in a play-in game, which we played in June in Qatar. So, so as we said, probably New Zealand uh, will be going through to that uh, to that qualifying game. Um, but hey, you know, Solomon Islands could surprise us. Who knows? Um, so other news that we got from this international break, a very, very good story. Uh, Christian Eriksen scoring his first international s scoring on his first international appearance, uh, since his collapse during the Euros last year. Um, I believe that was against the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, so wonderful to see him getting back to fitness. Wonderful to see him playing for Brentford um, and, and having success there. But what a great uh, story and what a great moment for him to come all the way back from that uh, and to still be able to perform 
for your international team. It's 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 wonderful, and it's in some ways perhaps a marvel of science. Um, I think there are definitely some times um, in football where something similar happened, or we discovered that there was a similar type of injury to an athlete that they weren't able to come back from. But the fact that not only does he come back to play, but he can play at an international level and score, um, that's just a testament to the doctors and, and to his whole entire team and to him um, and, and his his spirit and his love of this game. So well done, Christian. It's fantastic. Um, and it's hopefully, um, you know, he knows his body, he knows his career, but hopefully uh, we'll see him in Qatar as Denmark have, uh, have already qualified. And um, in a couple of friendlies, England, pretty successful. They beat Switzerland 2-1 last week. Uh, um, Harry Kane securing that win in the second half. And Luke Shaw also scoring in that game. So a, a, a good a, a good hard performance there from England. And then they beat the Ivory Coast 3-0 tonight. I say tonight, earlier today, uh, at Wembley. So uh, well done to them. Uh, in a game in which our good friend Serge Arrier of uh, former Tottenham fame got sent off. What else is new? Um, so yeah, so that was the international break. Uh, Adam, a, a pretty a pretty eventful one. Yes, Jordan. Uh, sorry, before you move on entirely from international football for a second, can we just pour one out for uh, the best Italian center back pairing? You know. In the last fifteen years, uh, Bonucci and Cellini, because this is their last go around. They're both done, and they're probably not going to uh, play international football for Italy again. Uh, tough way to you know go out, you know, is not qualify for the World Cup, you know, four four years ago, win the Euros, but then not qualify again. That's right, European champions, Italy not qualifying. But yes, a very good point. Um, disappointing to see them uh, not be able to suit up for the Azuri again. And um, yeah, what a weird man. Just uh, just very odd. I think Chiellini came on later in the game against North Macedonia to try and do something. And But they're both, I think they're both over the age of 35, at least. So yeah, um, unfortunately... Won't be seeing them again, but you know, hey, it's you got this. You got to bring the new generation along sometime. And if this is what it is, I think Italy have some issues um, to deal with. But and we'll see. You know, you talked about the the game site being in in the capital of Sicily, Palermo. I thought you know that was a bit of an odd choosing. Seeing how is, I mean, I don't know if y'all are aware of just the kind of, you know, regional tensions in Italy and how, you know, historically the Sicilians have thought of themselves as Sicilians first, you know, then Italians second. So, I, you know, I was just curious to see that game, that, that game site. And I was like, you know, a game of this magnitude should be played in the Olympic Stadium in Rome, um, you know, maybe at the uh, San Marino in Milan. But uh, just a weird game overall to me. Definitely, absolutely. Yes, you can hear more of our breakdown of uh, of Italy, uh, Italy's fall from grace, and uh, and more on the Syria in our alternate podcast, uh, Calcio de Pizza. Uh, now, 
Moving on to no, you're right. You're 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 hundred percent right, Jordan. Moving on now to the Premier League. It is back this weekend. Very very excited. Very happy. Very very good to have our our Saturday mornings back to normal. And also the time change is back, so they're at the normal times again. So you're not having to wake up and then realize, oh no, it's an hour later. What do I do with an hour? Uh, so in order to get us caught back up and get us back to speed, I wanted to take a look at these last, oh, two months or so, uh, of the Premier League, uh, in, in sort of a holistic look, excuse me, and, uh, and we'll start this from the bottom, going in ascending order, and have a look at the Premier League table and the teams who are here. Sort of on a case-by-case basis. So I've grouped these teams accordingly. Um, Like I said, in ascending order, we'll start from the relegation fight. And so it's Norwich, who are on the bottom, with 17 points. Burnley on 21 points. Watford, 22 points. Everton with 25 points. Leeds with 29. And then Brentford with uh, 30 points. Everton and Burnley have some games to make up, at least three. Um, and so you, you could say these teams, Norwich, Burnley, Watford, Everton, Leeds, Brentford, these are the six teams who we could say, for the most part, are in this relegation scrap. scrap. Um, I realize Brentford's a bit of a stretch. But hey, I mean, it's it, there's a, long, a lot of football left. Things can go south. So what I want to know here is, who do you think are your big movers from this group. Let's just start there. Who who do we think will be out of this area uh to start with? And you know, I'll start with you Jordan and I'll just sort of mention Leeds are looking like a pretty good candidate for that for me. I mean, they had some good wins going into the international break and it'll be interesting to see whether Jesse Marsh can keep that run going. No, I'm I'm actually in agreement with you. I kind of feel like out of that bottom six, uh, Leeds are the biggest mover. Um, you know, kind of weird to you know move on from a manager, especially one as beloved as Mar- uh, Marco Bielsa, as is uh, in Leeds so late in the season. Uh, but Jesse Marsh has really hit the ground running, and yeah, I expect them to survive. Uh, it right. wasn't looking that way. Uh, but I believe they are the biggest movers out of that group. Um, what what I think I, of uh, oh, oh, no, go ahead. Uh, oh, oh, who, uh, what I think of Everton. Oh, yeah, no. Um, I think they're going down. Okay. Um, I, 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 I don't know if my prediction is going to hold true of, um, you know, uh, Norwich, Watford, Burnley um, from the beginning of the season, oh. but – Someone either nor uh, either uh, Burnley or uh, Watford are gonna you know pick up points somewhere, and Everton is just in a free fall, especially after you know you you go into that you know you're, you're coming coming out of the last Premier League match, uh, you got the FA Cup, um, and then you just get absolutely routed by Crystal Palace, and then you go into the international break. Um, I have no idea what's going through those guys' minds. Uh, it, it can't be positive at all. Um, I, I think Frank Lampard kind of has to be banging his head against uh, uh, a wall. Uh, just because I, I feel like 
I feel like he approached this, uh, he approaches gig like, uh, you know, Steven Gerrard at Aston Villa, like, you know, that just that effort and, you know, perseverance would, you know, galvanize the team and kind of lift them from what they were. Uh, but it just hasn't happened. And yeah, I think Everton are going down. I don't know who's going to join them for sure, but it's definitely going to be Everton, Nor- Everton and Norwich, and then either Burnley or Watford. All right, interesting. It's it's, it's bold prediction, but I do think uh, there, there's a lot of merit to it. Um, Caleb, I mean, I think when you look at this list, you know whether you're a casual fan or whether you're 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 a big fan of the Premier League. If you ask who do we think is most likely to be out of this, your your gut would say Everton, just because of of history and because, you know, uh, I mean their record. They they I think we said they haven't been relegated. The last time they were in not the first division of football, it was in the nineteen fifties. So they're a very consistent team, and they've had scares before, and they've gotten out of it. Um, but it's they're just it's, they're not looking very good. So I mean. You know, would Everton be on your list to get out of this group? Um, and if not, who else? I think that um, I agree that I think Leeds is probably in the best position right now to kind of climb. I think Brentford has really played poorly and they've really struggled for the last two months. <clears throat> so they're they're definitely on the decline. Um, Leeds has you know Marsh has given Leeds a, a uh, shot in the arm. I think it's hard to say that Everton doesn't stay up simply because of the games in hand. Now, obviously, those can be deceiving. If you lose those games, then um, then it, they don't really matter. Um, and obviously, they've played really poorly. I, if I had to bet on it, I would bet that Norwich, Burnley, and Watford are the three that get that get relegated. Um, but it would not shock me. If if uh, Burnley, for instance, was able to to put something together and stay up, uh, but as of the moment, I would probably say Leeds probably makes the most forward progress, and probably Norwich, Burnley, and Watford are the three that get that get relegated. So Watford Watford's an interesting one to me because of their manager. I don't know if Roy Hodgson's ever been relegated. I I, I don't I don't think he has. I think he's definitely. You know, had his struggles. I mean, there were a few years there with Crystal Palace where we thought, well, this is the end, and he kept him up. So, you know, and they're just they're kind of a weird team. I mean, one week they're on, and the next three weeks they're they're off, um, and you just never know which one of those games is going to be it. So, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of I'm gonna side with Caleb on this one, but I I do think it's going to be tense. I do think Everton are going to stay up. They have a very tough run in um, that game against Burnley on Wednesday of next week looms very, very large. Um, but, I mean, they play Chelsea, they play Leicester, they play Liverpool, they play Leicester twice. Um, that's one of those makeup games. They play Manchester United, they play Arsenal on the final day, and they also play Brentford. So, I mean, they've got some really difficult matches coming up. Um, my hope is that Frank Lampard took this international break seriously, that he is addressing the obvious problems in his team and he's used this break to sort of just try and re-energize them and try and say, look, we know what's ahead of us. We know what we have to do. We know we have the talent to do it. Now let's go get the job done. Um, Leeds are an interesting case to me because we talk about Everton's schedule. 
But if you look at Leeds matches that are returned that that are that they have yet to play, um, the, their match against Chelsea on the weekend of the seventeenth now has to be moved somewhere because Chelsea are in the FA Cup semi final. They also play City. They also play Arsenal. Um, they play Watford next week. They play Southampton this weekend. Um, you know, it's 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 not easy. And and Jesse Marsh is definitely going to get a test. Um, sorry, try that again. I hit the, hit the computer. It's not easy. And Jesse Marsh is definitely going to get a test. Um, but it, it's it's hard to say. I, I think Norwich are gone. Um, Burnley. Yeah, that, that's just a big question around them. I think they they may just run out of time, frankly. Um, to, to really get the points that they need. Uh, and then the the only one in that group that I could say maybe is Watford, and it's only because of their manager. Um, but Everton leaves Burnley. It's just so hard to, to see any of them going down. But I it's, it's going to be tight, and I think it could come down to the final day for Everton. And that would be very, very difficult because it's against Arsenal, who are probably going to be chasing um, uh, the, the, the top four. Um so anyway, so that that's your relegation fight. That's how that's shaping up. Um, looking a little bit farther ahead, we get to to the middle, and these are the teams I think who, you know, depending on where they are in the middle, motivation for these last two months might be kind of difficult. You know, they, a lot of these teams have kind of settled in. You know, for some maybe it's a false sense of security, but for most I think they're they're looking pretty good. Um, and then for others, you know, it's a matter of, well, do we have the points to, to push farther up uh, into the top half and, and maybe beyond? So, uh, again, ascending order, starting with 14th place, we have Newcastle, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Leicester City, and Aston Villa. And just to emphasize sort of how this group is is kind of on its own, Aston Villa are 10 points away from Wolverhampton Wanderers, Um they do have a game in hand, but there, there's that separation between the teams who are in the middle and then the teams who are most definitely in a fight for the European spots. So of that group, who do we think could be potentially a big mover in these final weeks? And maybe they're not pushing for European football, but maybe they're pushing for top half of the table um, or, or, you know, top half of the lower half of the table, um, you know. Who who do we think could make the, that biggest push? And I'll, again, I'll start with you, Caleb. And I think there's an, there's an obvious one here, which we'll talk to Jordan about. Um, but Leicester City kind of jumps out to me as being one who could who could make some moves, just because they do have some players coming back from injury. Yeah, um, it's tough because there's reasons for I think many of those teams to be to pick many of those teams. I mean, obviously Newcastle's played fantastic since the uh, start of the year. Um, I think that Leicester and Aston Villa have underperformed. So you could argue Mm -hmm. that those two teams, if they started playing more along where, you know, we expect them to be, you know, they could move up and challenge for maybe a top, you know, third of the table spot. Um, Brighton obviously started out very brightly, but has, has struggled recently. I've been pretty bullish on Villa since the start, and you know I still think that they're underperforming. So if I had to pick a team, it would probably be Aston Villa. But I think if you look at if you're going to look at you know 
who's going to gain the most points out of that group over the final you know couple months of the season. My guess would just would be Newcastle, simply because yeah. they are just performing so well. They're obviously so far down in the table that you know I don't think we're going to see them in like a top six position. But um, I think that they'll probably you know come home with the most points out of that group. Jordan, I mean that that was yeah. I mean that's the obvious one to me that that stands out in this group is is your Newcastle, um, and and you know I, I want to hear your thoughts on Leicester and Aston Villa as well. But you know it's it's been a it, it's been kind of a, a weird season for you, uh, but you have seen your team sort of rise up. You've obviously looked ahead at the schedule um, and, and and seen this. I mean. I don't know where are you as a Newcastle fan right now. I mean, do you want to see this team kind of push forward and, and go ahead, or you know, if they kind of, you know, settled into a twelfth, thirteenth kind of place, would that would that make you happy? I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I'm trying to judge the psyche of, of Newcastle fans right now because obviously bigger things await you. I think that's 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 clear. But I just wonder, you know. What would make you happy at the end of the season as a Newcastle fan? Is it still just a matter of avoiding the drop? Which I think you've done. Um, anyways, you know, I think I think we've uh, you know we're gonna uh, you know survive uh, this season too. Uh, but I am honestly just happy with survival. <laughs> what I would use these next nine games for, or these next nine matches, is to kind of see where you're at against the rest of the mid-table and then upper tiers because, you you know, we start away with Tottenham, then it's three home matches versus, you know, your uh, immediate competitors, Wolves, uh, Leicester City, and Crystal Palace. Uh, we go away to Norwich, and then it's, uh, you know, home versus Liverpool, uh, then away to Man City, home versus Arsenal, then finish the season um, in uh, Turf Moor. Uh, uh, Burnley. So I would use, uh, I would come out of this international break and I would look to see where the entirety of my squad is at versus teams who we should be competing against in the near future. And especially in the latter half of that schedule, uh, versus Liverpool city and Arsenal teams, we should be competing with for players and then places in years, you know, three, you know, two, three, and four, possibly five of this of this journey. Um, so I would like to see him push on, but I am currently happy at the moment. Um, this season has been a win. I mean, we we got rid of Mike Ashley, so. Uh, you know, it, this is all gravy at this point for me. I would like to see him. I would like to see him fight, though. That is what I've been, you know, so happy to see is my team fight for ninety plus minutes every game, and it's paid off for them so far. They just need to keep it up. The the period I think that's going to be interesting is not for Eddie Howe, at least is not this, you know, the, these last few months. Um, but you know what happens over the summer, and then how does he start? with this team, which I think will look quite different um, going into uh, the 2022-23 season. Um, you know, we don't talk a lot about, about Brighton. I think they've kind of fallen down a little bit. They had, they had a pretty good start to the season, but they've, they've 
fallen off quite a bit. The big mover, I think, is Crystal Palace. Um, and I just think it's because, I don't know, there's something about this team that kind of feels... Uh, they, they they just they they feel like they're in a mood. I think it's they've got a good group there. Um, you know, I think Patrick Vieira has done a very good job, and they've got some pretty big big games coming up in terms of their opponents. You know, the the, the teams are going up against are fighting for stuff. You know, they they'll play some relegation teams. Um, they'll play some teams who are going for European football, uh, looking for the top four. Um, you know, they play Arsenal on Monday. So, I mean. If I'm any of those teams, I am not at all looking forward to playing this team, especially after the the midfielder they have on loan from Chelsea, Connor Gallagher, got so much high praise from Gareth Southgate um, for his England appearance against Switzerland. Uh, he did a fantastic job. That's clearly a player who is, you know, who has used this season well and and is coming into his own. But he's not the only player they have uh, who's doing that. I mean, it's Michael Lise. Um, you know, Jean-Philippe Mateta is coming, is, is doing well. They've still got Odson Edouard, who I think, I still think could end up paying dividends. He hasn't quite lit up the league as much as I thought he would. Um, but, you know, they, they've got these players who I think have something to prove. And they're all uniting around Wilfred Zaha, who now seems to be accepting that not only does he have a role at this club, but he has a leadership role at this club. And it's his responsibility really to, to, to help take this club forward. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see what Palace do in, in these last few months, and uh, and I think that they could, I think they could push higher. Um, it just it feels like a, the the right time. Uh, and in fact, I don't think they've lost since a match against Chelsea back in February. So Palace definitely looking very very good at the moment. Um. <clears throat> And and finally, and I say finally, this is the group that you know probably has the most intrigue. Uh, we'll move on to the top, and I'm calling it the top eight because all these teams are definitely going to fight for European football. Whether or not they're going to fight for Champions League football is a bit of a different story. Um, but once again, in ascending order, we'll start with eighth place: uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, just sneaking in on 46 points. West Ham are two points ahead of them. On 48 points, Manchester United on 50 points, Spurs in fifth on 51 points, Arsenal in fourth at the moment on 54 points, Chelsea, Liverpool, and Manchester City are your 3-2-1. Obviously, the last two have a very, very big meeting coming up on April the 10th. Um, but, you know, in lieu of asking who's going to get fourth, or who's going to do this, or who's going to do that, I want to make this a bit more open-ended and just ask, which of these teams would you say, and there could be multiple ones in, in your answer, of course, but if you had to pick one to just to say, man, this is going to be fun, who are you most interested in seeing in these final weeks? Which of these storylines interests you the most? You have this North London derby that's setting up for fourth place. You have Manchester United, who are right now on the outside looking in, who are looking for a new manager, who want to give that manager obviously the best possible start. You have West Ham, who are the outsiders. You have Wolves, another group of outsiders. Um, you know, you've got Chelsea, who are kind of in this weird middle position. Um, you know, and then, of course, you've got the title race. So we'll, uh, we'll, start, with, we'll start with Jordan again. Um, 
out of this top eight, Jordan, what are you most interested in seeing or what are you most looking out for in these final few weeks? Honestly, I'm my answer is going to be pretty, uh, you know, normal. I'm looking to see if Liverpool can actually do it. Yeah. Um, you know, they they you know went into the winter, uh, you know, came out of the Christmas season with two of their best players gone for a month to Afcon. Um, they bring in uh, Luis Diaz. Uh, he's stepping up. Uh, this team has just gobbled up the points and, you know, closed the gap to one with, you know, uh, with no games left in hand. I just want to see if they can continue to do it. Um, If they, uh, it's just been an incredible season to watch this race between the top two, uh, given how city can look either utterly uh, dominant uh, one weekend, and then you know, fruitless the other. Um, whereas Liverpool has been the more consistent team in terms of you know putting out performances. Um, yeah, no, it's just going to be an incredible end of the season, and I really, I I, I, I don't want either team to win the title, but someone <laughs> has to. Um, yeah, but it's just going to be an incredible race to watch. It is probably going to be the most exciting title race, I think, that we've seen in a long, long time. Um, it's all just sort of setting up, including their epic FA Cup semifinal, um, which comes up not this weekend, not next weekend, but then the next weekend. So, yeah, the title race is is definitely going to be one for the ages. And I think it's all the more interesting because there was at one point where we thought this thing's over. There's no way there's going to be a title race. Um, but and, uh, lo and Adam, behold. yes. Uh, sorry. No, sorry to jump no, back no, in. Go ahead. No, no, go for and it. And don't forget this too that during this title race, either team is technically, you know, playing for a treble still at this point. That's true too. You know, I mean, this will be the most exciting finish to a season since, uh, which I hate to bring this up, 2011-2012, uh, Adam. It hurts less now, but yes. <laughs> that was some intense pain. Um, but no, you're right. I, that's that's the one that I went back to. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be an epic one. Um, Caleb, obviously, I think there's some agreement there on on the title race. But uh, you know, what are you most interested in seeing out of this top eight? You know, um, I mean, maybe it's it's maybe it's Wolverhampton Wanderers. I mean, like I said, they're sort of the outsiders in this group. There's they're down the list. Um, I think it's it's a team that we all kind of thought um, maybe wasn't going to be in this position after losing Nuno Espirito Santo over the summer, and yet they've continued to fight. Um, or maybe maybe you're looking a bit higher up the table. The team that the, the storyline that interests me the most, other than obviously who wins Premier League, which I think sure. is the storyline, yes. is um, the performance of Tottenham because yes. for a couple of reasons. One, it's just an interesting club. Um, you also have Harry Kane, who's there, who has really turned his season around. He has become, you know, has returned to kind of his prolific scoring ways. He's He remains this really important piece for the English national team. Um, so 
I'm really interested to see specifically what happens with Kane. Does he stay with Tottenham? Um, you know, does he finish the season strong, stays with Tottenham, and, you know, is with them, obviously, through the World Cup? And how does it, that, that impact him and English, you know, England's chance to win or perform well? Or, you know, is there a summer move? Does he move to a new club? How does that impact him? How does that impact um, the World Cup? Because yeah. I, I think we saw Kane struggle at the beginning of the season. Um, part of that was, I think, going to the Euros and, and the physical and mental kind of drain that that had on him. But I think the transfer talk really was exhausting. And so if it's exhausting again and he ends up making some moves to the club and he's got to figure out all these new things, and then in late November – he goes to play in the World Cup, I think that could have a, a significant um, impact on him. So I think Tottenham as a whole, as a club, is interesting to see how they finish out this year. And then particularly Harry Kane moving into this, uh, the rest of the season, moving into the summer interests me. I agree. And that that's kind of the one that, that stuck out to me. And maybe there's a bit of, of selfish fandom here in me saying, I, I think I'm most interested in seeing if Spurs will fail and if so, how miserably. But no, it is. It's it's such an interesting situation because of Kane, because of Antonio Conte coming in halfway through the season, the things that he said more recently, um, and the fact that right now, arguably their biggest rivals in this fight for a Champions League spot are their heated North London rivals, who uh, have. You know, they they were kind of having a, a tit for tat with regarding the 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 postponed North London derby from earlier in the season. So, I mean, there's just so many interesting things going on regarding Tottenham Hotspur, and it's it's going to be it, it's it's going to be a wild ride. And that's that's the only thing that's for sure when it comes to Tottenham is it's going to be a wild ride. I want to ask this before we move on to I think a. a a bigger uh, one. One last question I have about the title race, um, and I want to ask this to both of you. So, so in Tottenham's case, so let's say you're you are Antonio Conte. You have pulled off the miracle. You've got Spurs into fourth place. You're in the Champions League for the 2022-23 season. The next week, the Italian FA calls you and says, "We're sacking Roberto Mancini." We. Uh, didn't qualify for the World Cup. It was a, a disgrace. We like the way you play. You set up your teams. We like the way you play your football. It's a very Italian way. We want to get back to that identity. And we feel like you're the man to carry us forward. Um, do you, Antonio Conte, leave Tottenham to go manage Italy? Um, Jordan, I'll start with you. If you're Antonio Conte, you've gotten Spurs into Champions League, your country wants you to come manage them. Do you leave to go do that? Yes, of course you leave. You for you forego the champions. You, you forego the Champions League with Spurs in order to to manage Italy. I mean, you've already won a Champions League, right? He's a Champions uh, League he, winner, correct? With uh, who would that have been with? You know, I don't think so. <clears throat> okay, I don't but think realistically, he okay, he might not have. But realistically, uh, would a team like Tottenham have the have the best 
given the way it's currently structured, have the best chance to advance a tournament like that? Tournament like that, or does the siren call of your national team just get to you? I believe it kind of has to, especially especially given uh, is he in his fifties, right? Uh, I think so. I mean, he could be the Italian manager for the next two decades, easy if he if he performs well enough. And I I believe he's kind of, he I believe he would have the 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 backbone and the fire that it would you know necessarily take to kind of dig uh, Italian teams out of the holes they put themselves in, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think he goes. I do want to point out Antonio Conte has already managed um, Italy before. He did manage in 2014-2016. But uh, so I mean, I guess this this would be a return to Italy. Um, but he left Juventus to to go there, and then he left Italy to go to Chelsea in 2016 uh, when they were switching over their manager. I can't remember who came before him, but um, okay. So so that's a good answer. I mean, Caleb, similar question to you. You know, in knowing Antonio Conte has been there before at Italy, you know. If they come calling again and say, "Look, you know, we liked what it was like under you. At least back then, we were getting into into you know national tournaments and, and World Cups, and and weren't this uh, you know being embarrassed by not reaching it. Do you leave? Do you leave a Champions League bound Spurs to go manage your home nation? I think he probably does. I don't know how much the Spurs job is the job that he's, you know, over the moon about. I mean, yeah. obviously I think, you know, you want to manage in the premier league, but I don't know that it's, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily a huge thing for him. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to go ahead and, and manage your, it, because it wouldn't just be, Hey, he's back, you know, he's managing, you know, the national team again, it would also be like, you, there's a redemptive element there. You know what I mean? Like you have to, you know, you're trying to do something that is going to basically, you know, redeem um, this, this national team that obviously has performed so poorly recently. So, I mean, I think that that's something that would, that would, you know, inspire, you know, somebody to, to return to that particular job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it would be tough for him to say no as well. And I want to point out, this is an entirely hypothetical situation. I do not know if Antonio Conte is being linked to the Italian job. I imagine if Roberto Mancini is going to lose his job, which maybe he will, maybe he won't. But if he does, I imagine Conte would be on a short list of the Italian FA just because of his recent uh, exploits. I mean, he won the Serie A with, with Inter last last year. So, so, but all that being said, I mean, it isn't hypothetical. I just thought it was kind of interesting. Um, to, to consider that that would be a possibility. And it would be incredibly spursy um, for that to happen if they were to make the Champions League and then lose the manager who did it. Um, okay, final question, uh, and then we'll look into the weekend and we'll we'll catch up on top-shelf picks, which I know uh, we've missed out on uh, uh, for a few weeks now. So I'm going to take a look at, at the, the final matches that Liverpool have coming up and the final matches that, that City coming having up in the Premier League. This is obviously excluding Champions League, and they're both in the, in the FA Cup semifinal. So um, so for Liverpool, they, they start at home to Watford this weekend. Next weekend's obviously the big win against Manchester City. Then they are against... They follow that up against Manchester United on a Tuesday in a midweek. Uh, they face Everton in the Merseyside Derby. They go to Newcastle, 
Then they get Tottenham at Anfield. They go to Southampton, and they finish the season at Anfield against Wolverhampton Wanderers. So that's that's Liverpool's season, uh, the rest of their season. City go to Burnley this weekend. Um, they have the big matchup against Liverpool on April the 10th. They, go, they get Brighton at home in the midweek. They then face Watford. Uh, they go to Leeds. Um, they are against Newcastle. They are at West Ham. And they are against Aston Villa. Now, I think in both of those instances, they may have... They may, both of these teams may still have a game to make up uh, that hasn't been scheduled yet, possibly, because of the FA Cup semifinals. So I don't know that. But, gentlemen, other than the big meeting on April the 10th, um, which of those matches that I just listed do you think will play the second biggest role in this title race? I think everybody's looking at the April the 10th match as sort of the, the ultimate game in this race, but there's still a lot of football left to be played. So of those matches for, for Liverpool and of the remaining ones for Liverpool and for City, what are we thinking or what do you think would be the most important match in that team's season? And you can do one or the other. You can pick one out. You can pick both out from each one. I don't, I don't really care, but I'm going to start with you, Caleb. Um, You know, which of these are you looking at and saying, Ooh, that could be a problem. The the one that's probably the biggest banana peel for Liverpool, I think, is at Southampton toward the end of the season. Um, you know, I think going to St. Mary's is tough. Yep. Uh, City has drawn twice um, against Southampton this year. So, obviously, you know, the, the matches against City and United are, are, and, and Tottenham, I mean, those are all big. You know, I think that uh, for Liverpool, but I, I, if I'm if I'm a fan of theirs, that's the game that I'm I'm a bit worried about because that's the game you have to win. I think that's a game that's going to be a big struggle for you to win. Okay, good one. Yeah, good good pick. And I mean, that's that harkens back to some more recent history when they went to Crystal Palace uh, as they were chasing down the title in I want to say thirteen fourteen. And it ended up being a weird 3-3 draw, and that ultimately cost them um, their chance at the title. That was under Brendan Rodgers at the time. So, yeah, uh, that's that's a that's a good one because uh, I think it 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 fits well. Um, Jordan and I could repeat any of these if you want. I know it's been a little bit, but um, you know, what's one match that you're sort of looking at and saying this one could be, could be particularly tricky other than of course the big matchup coming up in a few weeks. You know, um, we could, I could state the obvious and say Liverpool, uh, versus Tottenham. Uh, but I'm not, um, I'm going to choose the other match that occurs right after that team plays Newcastle. It's going to be Manchester city going to London to play your hammers at them. Huh. Um, <clears throat> second, second to last game of the season, uh, depending on where, you know, both teams are in their European competitions at that point. Um, you know, who they have in the squad could be really important. Um, and I kind of feel like West Ham over the past, you know, couple matches have been buoyed by uh, Zerlinko. Um, 
and you know maybe they could take that momentum from him and you know run for you know go forward and you know fight for fourth place which i still think they're capable of um it your team just kind of has to get healthy but yeah i think that's going to be the biggest match uh in the last part of the season which is unfortunate because you know there's a uh uh, a derby, ma- a derby match in there between Liverpool and Everton, and that you know just kind of occurred to me as an afterthought or uh, an wow. afterthought. Afterthought. I-, I feel like Liverpool would dispatch that away, you know, three one or you know two nil, and just kind of throw up the deuces uh, to, the- to to Everton as they <laughs> you know they go down, you know. <laughs> so it's it's interesting you pointed that one out. So yeah, that definitely could go that way. I am going to step up and say, and I, I do think it's interesting that we're, nobody's pointed out the fact that Liverpool also play Manchester United, um, which is on a Tuesday and could end up being incredibly tricky for them. However, I I see that game against Everton, and I do think that in normal circumstances where Everton are sort of a mid-table team, you know, Liverpool probably walk into that one. They have it out for about 10 minutes, and then Liverpool just pre- proceed to to steamroll them. However, Everton are in a, a big fight right now. Every single point's going to count, and I do think that's going to be tough. And, and that's going to be th- – I mean, that's one that you're definitely going to be up to fight for. And I, I think one criticism of this Everton team has been – I don't know if we've seen enough fight from them in these last few weeks um, when it comes to – you know, fighting for their survival. Suck, <laughs> you know well, I mean? know, but like, I'm just saying. I'm just saying, you're at a night, and it's going to be full of emotion, and you know, I don't know. It, it, it's 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 saying in my gut that this is a game that Liverpool, for Champions League reasons or otherwise, they could overlook Everton, and and that could be to their downfall. Um, you know, it wouldn't be incredibly unheard of at least in past years for Everton to throw a wrinkle into this because this this has been um you know uh, one of those derbies that most of the time it goes one way but occasionally you you get a surprise and this could be that surprise so uh I do want to point out Jordan though that the city at at West Ham um that is also going to be Mark Noble's last home game um so obviously Mark Noble, a, a huge legend for West Ham. The fans absolutely love him, and uh, he will be retiring at the end of this season. And when when the schedule came out, a lot of West Ham fans said, "Oh, well, there's there's your your final home game, and it's against the champion City. Uh, wouldn't it be great if if Noble went out on a high?" So I mean, yeah, that that could be potentially tricky. I think you are you you're you're, you're quite astute in pointing that one out as a, as a potential banana peel. Um, that was, that was that's a good segment. Anything else on on the title race? Anything that we missed before I move on and look ahead at this fantastic weekend of Premier League football? Okay. Let's get into the schedule. So, Premier League football is back this weekend. Um, and I saw something, and I could be wrong, but I think most, if not all, of these games are also going to be available on Peacock. I saw a graphic from NBC that showed that some of the USA Network games are also going to be made available through Peacock. I hope I am correct 
on that, and I didn't see some sort of graphical error on their part, but it, I, I did see it. I'm not crazy. So, uh, without further ado, Liverpool versus West... Ugh, not that one. Liverpool versus Watford starts us out on Saturday, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, that's going to be on USA Network, definitely, potentially Peacock, but definitely USA Network. Uh, the 10 a.m. kickoffs, uh, Eastern Time. We're back to normal times this week, thanks to the time change. Brighton versus Norwich, definitely on Peacock. Burnley versus Manchester City, also on Peacock. Chelsea versus Brentford's available on USA Network. Leeds versus Southampton on Peacock. And West Midlands Derby, Wolves versus Aston Villa. That's going to be on CNBC. NBC breaking out uh, the extra channels for that one. Uh, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Manchester United versus Leicester City. That is on USA Network. And usually the 12.30 games are also on Peacock. Uh, Sunday, West Ham against Everton. That's at 9 a.m. on USA Network. Big, big match for both of those teams. Tottenham versus Newcastle at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time on USA Network. Another big one. Uh, And on Monday, Palace hosts Arsenal at 3 p.m. Eastern Time on USA Network. Am I crazy or have Palace gotten a lot of Monday games? I I feel like we have a lot of Mondays at Selhurst Park coming uh, that, that are coming our way so anyways that's another one that uh, that could be particularly good now on to top shelf picks um so i have to apologize because a few weeks ago i did have a top shelf picks ready i think this was the fa cup quarterfinals weekend and for whatever reason we went through the pod had a good time had a laugh and i skipped it so um we've been sitting like this for a couple of weeks now. The last time that we did a top shelf picks, I think it was uh, it would have been, would have been the weekend before, and it was the weekend of Manchester United versus Spurs. Um, just to catch us up though, real quick, because I correctly predicted Chelsea one Newcastle nil, and also because I picked up a point for the Leeds Norwich result. And also because, um, Jordan, that was a weekend that... And it's a rare weekend, I'll, I'll admit. But it is, was a weekend that you did not pick up any points. I have now moved up to second in the table. Uh, it's Caleb on 36 points. Uh, I am on 30. And Jordan, you're on 29. Now, obviously, it's not over till it's over. But I just wanted to point that out because I am quite happy with myself for, uh, for, for managing to climb above second, even if it's only for a weekend. So, um, so without further ado, here's our top shelf picks for this weekend. It's a West London derby to start us out. Chelsea against Brentford. Uh, this is going to be on, yes, Saturday. So this is a Saturday 10 a.m. kickoff uh, at Stamford Bridge. And because he is our pseudo West Londoner, we're going to start with Caleb. The uh, second most interesting West London derby of the day. Oh, that's add. right. Um, as Fulham and QPR, two, uh, two teams actually, well, Fulham's going to be promoted, but QPR fighting for promotion spot. Yeah. So possibly could have all four West London clubs in the Premier League next season. Well, the police I, are going to be so busy. Good Lord. How they both <laughs> got a license to play. Like, why that, <laughs> like, how... Who made that decision? Someone was not paying attention. Or they just said, you know what, let's get them done. Let's just get them both out of the way. Let's move on. Um, You know, Chelsea's going to win this match. I think it's just a question of by how much. You always – 
always a little tricky coming back from an international break. You're not yep. sure, you know, does this mean that players are more rested? Does this mean that things are going to get a little weird? So I'm going to say, I'm going to say Chelsea wins 2-1. Um, just because I think it's just odd coming back from an, internet, an international break. I think Chelsea will have more players who are tired because I think they have more international players than Brentford. So sure. I think a 2-1 win for Chelsea. I think I, I, I think it's going to get weird. Um, but I, I do think Chelsea's going to end up pulling it out because they just have a tradition of doing that this season, um, whether it be through their own hard fight or maybe through some 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 assistance from uh from the video assisted gods no i i think it's i i've got three two uh chelsea i do think the goal there'll be a goal difference um but i think i think brentford are gonna i think they're gonna come out and kind of punch him in the mouth and i think it's gonna be up to chelsea to to get back and and to get back to this one ultimately i think they will win uh finally jordan uh chelsea versus brentford what uh, what say you of uh, the second most important West London Derby of the weekend? Um, I'm in agreement with Caleb. It's a two-one Chelsea win. Yeah, yeah, probably a good shout. I'm just trying to see if I can separate myself a little bit more. Um, also, another good one that's kind of it's not quite a London Derby, but it is. I don't know. It could be it be pretty fierce. Luton versus Millwall as well, uh, if we're talking about some, some of the championship matches this weekend. That one's going to be fun, because both of those teams are chasing promotion as well. Uh, it's going to be fun in the South on Saturday. Wolves versus Aston Villa is our next one. This is also a 10 a.m. kickoff uh, on Saturday. Uh, it's going to be on CNBC. I'm first up on this one. Oh, man. Uh, this is this is tough. Um, but I think, ultimately, I do think... I think it's going to be a Wolves win. I think I'm going to, I'm going to say Wolves one nil over Aston Villa. Um, you know, I think defensively Wolves are pretty sound. Aston Villa have had some trouble breaking some teams down recently, and uh, Wolves not the most prolific scoring team in the league, but uh, I think they'll get the job done. Jordan, you are up next. Uh, West Midlands Derby. What do you think? Black Country Derby, I should say. Oh, daggum! That's going to be a good one. Yeah, we're in. We're at Molyneux, right? Yes, yes, we are at Molyneux. <sighs> I'm gonna. I always, say... I always like it when Jordan sighs because it makes. I know I picked a good one when Jordan's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, because 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 I, I want to go two one Villa. Okay. I it's think they're just gonna be. It, it. I think everyone's gonna be a little bit fresher coming out of the international break. I think there's going to be some fun to had at at the Molyneux. That would be a fun result, absolutely. I think it would mirror one from earlier in the season. So, um, Caleb, uh, I versus Aston Villa. I, I was. I actually. I like Jordan's prediction of two one. Um, I think. I think Villa is going to play well. I, however, will go ahead and select a draw. Uh, for a couple, the biggest reasons I think that if this game was being played um, in Villa, then it two one at Molyneux, you know maybe I think it's more closer to a draw. And this way, one of us will be getting a point over the other one. <laughs> Definitely. So what? So one one two two. Sorry, one one. Okay, That's I think I asking these teams to score more than one goal apiece is a bit much. 
<laughs> too right. Okay. Uh, and then finally, our late Sunday matchup, uh, one that Jordan will, of course, be watching closely. It's Tottenham against Newcastle. Tottenham trying to chase down the top four. Newcastle, born again, like a phoenix, rising um, with uh, with a bag full of Saudi money. No, Newcastle definitely looking like a completely different team probably than uh, when these two teams met earlier in the season. So, Jordan, uh, your magpies come down. It's a it's a long long trip down to North London from uh, from north of the wall. But what do you think? How do you think your your boys are going to do as they make their way south? Uh, we're leaving London. We're leaving the new White Hart Lane with a two one win. All right, I would love to see that. I'd be a fan of that. Caleb Jordan says two one. Do you think the Northerners have a chance? I, I think they definitely have a chance. Um, the way that team is composed is really just the way that they've been able to add pieces um, that just add a lot of um, ability to, to like retain possession and move the ball swiftly is really impressive. Tottenham's such a weird team to pick because sometimes they look brilliant and sometimes they look like they can't hit the broadside of a barn. I do think that Spurs probably come away with a win. Um, I think it'll be close. I'm going to say this is a 3-2 win for Tottenham. Lots of goals in North London this weekend. Um, so I think Newcastle are going to approach this. I, the, I'm just going to ask this one question, Jordan. You can you can beat up Tottenham as much as you want in this game. Just don't hurt Harry Kane. <laughs> don't injure him too badly. Let him let him at least walk away after this, so that we know he's going to be fit for Qatar um, when it comes around uh, in November. But uh, I think it's going to end up in a one-one draw. I think Newcastle are going to get one early. I think Tottenham are going to uh, have some trouble breaking them down, just because, like I said, I, I I I see Newcastle going for a bit of a bruiser mentality in this one, just to try and break up the play of Tottenham Hotspur. Certainly nothing wrong with that. But uh, yeah, so I'm going with the 1-1 draw. I think it'll be a a good performance from Newcastle. I don't think Spurs will quite get there uh, in this one. But not to fear, because I also don't have some high... I don't have very high hopes for for Arsenal when they make their way down to Selhurst Park on Monday. So uh, certainly not uh, not blowing the, the the race for fourth wide open. But that's... That's what I'm thinking. So just don't don't hurt him too much, Jordan. That's all I ask. Um, England's hopes in November <laughs> should clearly rest on the shoulders of um, outsider looking in, but you know should be on the squad. Uh, big fucking Dan Byrne. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we'll 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 definitely see. I think I think he's he's in for a shout. Yeah, no, he definitely should be. I mean, there should be at least one player, uh, Trippier, who should be in the squad when he's healthy uh, already. And I think Dan Byrne at least got himself an opportunity to, to you know, to, to go for it because he's played phenomenally, uh, you know, uh, for Newcastle. And also he, he played really good for Brighton as well. Um yeah. No, this is going to be a. It's so glad to have the Premier League back for the rest so of, um, the for the rest of the month of uh, uh, March, uh, April, and then May. You know, we're getting towards the end of the year. 
the fixtures are, you know, getting congested with those who are still in the European competitions. It's a fun time, boys. It's going to be great. Yeah, Champions League also coming back next week. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that then, and uh, how's the how the England teams perform in West Ham against Lyon in the Europa League, Leicester City against PSV in the Europa Conference League. It's all going to start in April. So I'm going to go see where these tornadoes are um, and try and and dodge them as best I can. Um, fingers crossed, we don't have too many issues tonight, but it is that time of year. So. Uh, Thank you both. Premier League is back. And so are we. Jordan, will you please sign us off? Uh, let's go eat some pies, guys. Let's go eat some pies. Thanks, everybody. And we will see you next week.